Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Yes, we've got a Hearts legend on the date. Um, Ryan McGowan, thanks very much for coming on, big man. Thank you for having me. Also need to thank you for letting us film in your bedroom. <laughs> of what you've done with the boys. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? It's <laughs> nice curtains, nice colour. Oh, we're going down in the world, didn't we? Right, I text Jim O'Brien, who you're at Bradford with now. I say to him, have you got anything for, uh, for that I can slaughter big McGowan for? He said his first touch. I put a laughing face and I wrote, what else? And you know, he's sick and touch. <laughs> <laughs> he's some man, isn't he? Yeah, he's been great. He's uh, just joined us. So, um, yeah, played a couple of games and thinks he's Pele now. And got oh, injured. he does, mate, didn't he? Yeah, he's so, him, so, um, yeah, he's just getting back, but um, we kind of need him back, really. We're, we're struggling a little bit at the moment, but, um, yeah, he's definitely good to have around the changing He'll be up at table in no time. Uh, just want to say, I was thinking last night, this Julian boys that have played in Scotland, yourself, Roderick, Scott McDonald, Ryan Edwards, he's all look quite similar. I think has big Mark Viduka got something to answer for. <laughs> big Viduka, yeah. <laughs> nah, he was um yeah, there's been a few of us, all dark hair, kinda tall. Gorgeous. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, <laughs> it's not too bad. Um yeah, but there's a few ugly ones kicking about. Obviously my younger brother, he was there. <laughs> Matty Park, so there's a few that Viduka's maybe left out. <laughs> right, mate, we're going to the upbringing in Australia. How was that coming through in Australia playing football? Because obviously Aussie rules is, is a sport. If you play that, you end up with like this. So why, <laughs> why was it football for you? Uh, just probably because of the family brought up. Um, obviously mum, dad and all my aunties and uncles are Scottish. So um, they all moved out when they were quite young. Um, and so kind of brought around that soccer environment. We call it soccer in Australia. Uh-huh. So, None um, of that pressure on you. So we brought up um, like that and just kind of associated with, with things like that. But it was... Um, it was good, you know. Australia with the weather, you, you pretty much play all sports. So even at school, you played cricket, uh, football, Aussie rules, rugby. You kind of got everything, and um, most of your childhood spent outside, just playing different games. And, so where was the family from? Glasgow. Yeah, Coatbridge. Coatbridge, um, eh? Yeah. So um, yeah, they all moved out when they were about 20, 21, and um, so. And your dad Australia. a big football fan. Yeah, yeah, what big football team? fan. Celtic. So Celtic most of my family's. Um, Unfortunately, Celtic. <laughs> um, so, playing football in Australia, how, how the hell did Hearts manage to see you playing over there? Uh, it was probably from Dave McPherson. He oh, had the big Hearts, Dave McPherson. Yeah, um, 
Big Dave. So he was uh, he had played his sort of end of career out in Australia, and he obviously kept the lookout for for players that were, you know, young players coming through. And um, I'd kind of been in and out of the under 17s and under 20 Aussie teams. So um, that's probably how I got noticed. And it was just a phone call, a random phone call during the week to say from Dave McPherson asking if I'd be uh, interested in going over to Hearts and just things like if I had a British passport and. Uh, yeah, and if I'd be interested in going, and probably a couple of weeks later I was on the flight. Was yeah. that always the aim when you were in Australia and playing? Was it always an aim to do well enough to, to move back over to either Britain or Europe? Yeah, I think everyone that kind of grows up in Australia, especially at you know, my sort of generation, we didn't have the, you know, they've got the A-League now and they've got the Youth League, but at that time we only had 23 players. So for my team in Adelaide, they only had 23 players, didn't have a youth team set up, didn't have a, you know, academy system. So... It was pretty much trying to get to that level or as high as level as you can in Adelaide to try and get noticed and, and try and get a move or a trial um, elsewhere. And yeah, I was lucky enough that kind of progressed through quicker than a few others and um, got noticed and, and got the opportunity to go over to Hearts. So was there any doubts about going to Hearts or were you, were you up for it straight away? Uh, yeah, parents had doubts, but I, you know, I was thinking 16, 17, travelling, being a, you know, going to a big club and, and being a so-called professional footballer, you know, that was my dream growing up, so I was jumping at the chance, but, you know, looking back, I was only 16, 17, so there was a lot of things that my parents had to consider and um, think about, but, you know, from my side, I was just, that's what I wanted to be since I was, could walk, really, so mm -hmm. I was not letting them get in my way, really. So was it a trial or was it going over to sign? Yeah, it was pretty much a go over to sign, really. It was only, a, like, about a youth team, so I was only going to sign for the 19s, um, with the hope of progressing, obviously, up into the to the first team. But, um, yeah, even, like, Dave McPherson picked me up from Glasgow Airport and <laughs> I was just thinking I was the man walking around Glasgow Airport. Someone's picked me up and, um, yeah, just loved it. Loved literally every everything that academy player probably hates, I really enjoyed. And, well, like, um, did you do the jobs and stuff like that? Yes, yeah, so you just have to do the boots. And, obviously, I was kind of came in a little bit late. So, you know, all the boys like, you've got six players to clean. And I'm like, not a problem. <laughs> Sitting the there, yeah, just cleaning them. But, I, you know, I was alone. So I didn't have anyone to go home to or to go back to. So I just used to love it. Um, and we had a really good unit there at Hearts. You know, we, we had to do all the jobs and that sometimes they don't really do too much. So, you know, we used to have to get kept back till three. We had Darren Murray, who was um, the youth team coach at the time, and he was right into, you know, making sure that everything was clean, you know, all the hallways, the changing rooms. So he would really make sure that we were on top of that. And, um, yeah, I really enjoyed that, that aspect of it. I know I ask this all the time on the show, but do you think young players should still be doing stuff like that? Yeah, I think so. You know, we were discussing it the other day. You know, some of the youth team players at Bradford, it's quite good. You know, they do the boots and they do a lot of the jobs. Well, they're right, good. But, um, you know, it just brings you, you know, you get to know the youth team boys. You get to not bully them as such, but, you know, go get this or go get that. And you then become more approachable when they come up into the mm. first team or come to train with you. you. You know their name, you know kind of their personality, you know he likes a joke, he's maybe a little bit more quiet. And it was the same at Hearts, you know, used to, everyone used to know each other's name, although there was 70 names at one point with oh, all the foreigners so and Lithuanians, <laughs> so it was, that aspect was a bit different. But, you know, Hartley and Presley, Gordon, they're all senior boys and they could tell you everyone's name in the youth team, which was... Um, you know, for us as youth team players was was a big deal. Uh -huh, because you mentioned the names there, big names obviously at Hearts, club legends. How, how were they guys we, we use in the younger players? Yeah, they were really good. They were really good. I'd only signed a couple of months and then the whole Rickard and three and mm -hmm. the sort of 
World War Three started um, at Hearts, which, you know, again, I loved at the time. It was good, you know, getting listening to all the stories and all the rumours. And um, but yeah, you know, they were really good professionals. And at that stage, you know, we had some really good players at Hearts. What was the, the script to the Bilbao races? <laughs> yes, that was my first pre-season with the first team. I got called up to to be the first team, and I I can't remember. I think they. The fans used to call him Mad Eddie. He was the coach at the time. Didn't speak any English and he used to just scream and shout. And then we had an interpreter who was the quietest shy guy. So he would go off on a big rant, you know, screaming for five, ten minutes. And then he would go, he wants you to push up quicker. <laughs> and you'd be like, what? What's he saying? And then, yeah, just pre-season was literally wheelbarrow races from, you know, the goal line to the halfway. <laughs> no way. And back. And who organised that then? It was, you know, Hartley's <laughs> wheelbarrow races. <laughs> Going, where the fuck's the camera? Who the fuck is setting me up? <laughs> used to do, you know, uh, shooting exercises. You start off in the corner flags. So, it'd be, so you'd be on one corner flag, I'd be on the other. And you'd blow the whistle and you'd run to the centre circle and then pass each other's, you know, I'll give the ball, you give the ball, uh-huh. and then run, so it's a 1v1, and then shoot and join the end of the line. Full length of the pitch. Full length of the pitch, but we'd do that for like an hour. <laughs> and Craig Gordon used to just get the balls, and just fuck them off, break the balls off, way down the hill, and you have to go chase it. And that was just pre-season at that, at that time was just, mental but as a 17 18 year old boy i just used to think i could do it you know i'm doing all right here <laughs> <laughs> would day three be the main characters in that dressing room then ahead yeah had neil mccann neil, neil mccann, McCann was there um robbie nielsen presley gordon hartley you know, had a good strong core and then you know a few of them left quite quickly and we were kind of left with nielsen he became captain christoph was kind of got yeah. yeah he had to kind of get you know sped up really into the captain's role after Robbie left and then it was a little bit all over the place. We kind of went, you know, for 18 months, it was kind of just crazy with managers. You know, we used to just joke, there used to be a guy in a suit that would come into the, <laughs> to Harriet Watt and everyone used to be like, that's the next manager. <laughs> and two weeks later, he would be the next manager. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to ask you about Big Elvis because obviously centre and half right back like yourself, would, would Big Elvis take a, a keen interest in you? Would he help you? Yeah, he was. You know, any time that you came up, he was he was really good. And I think he was probably the first one that I kind of watched in terms of, you know, studied what they did. And, you know, he was really keen on, you know, he wasn't the greatest on the ball, similar to myself <laughs> and yourself, wasn't the greatest. <laughs> wasn't the greatest on the ball. And, um, you know, he made a real career out of being determined and defending well and doing the dirty side. And I used to remember no matter what session you did, he used to go in and get his little iPod, put it on his... Um, we used to have like a called the trim track, so it was maybe like a three-mile run that you used to have to do sometimes in pre-season. Mm-hmm. And every day he would just go out and do that after training. So it wouldn't matter if it was a Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, just go in, put his iPhone on, so off I go, chaps. Chap, you love the chaps. That's brilliant. And off he went. Yeah, he just he just did that every day. And you know, just I remember just thinking, you know, I was knackered, you know, from the training session, and there was a senior professional Scotland caps captain of the club out going for a thirty-minute jog and. Um, yeah, just little things like that that, you know, I don't do it now, but I probably should. should. But, yeah, you know, that's just what he used to do towards his, you know, he's maybe in his mid-30s at that stage and just to keep himself fit and topping up, that's what he did every day. Mm-hmm. See, we were talking about the lack of managers and stability. Did that not worry you as a young player? Like, does my future lie elsewhere? Is this where I should be? Um, it did. At one point it did, of course, because I was kind of okay. I always had the 19, so I used to train with the first team and then get my game or 
with the reserves or first team and then a lot of players came in so the reserve team you know like that a lot of first team players had to play mm -hmm. so you were kind of then on the bench um, and that's probably yeah there's a certain spell where I was a little bit like I can't see myself getting past you know 10 or 15 fringe players even to sit on the bench so I felt that I had to get out on loan and and then they still had that under you had to have three under 21s 20, yeah, on the on bench, bench uh -huh. so for a long time I was just I knew I was on the bench purely for that rule you know I knew no matter everyone could get injured and he still wouldn't have put me on but uh -huh. just because of I that was rule so was it was it your decision to go on loan or did the guy in the suit come to you yeah um, <laughs> yeah it was a little bit um it was, was Brian it United, Reed. yeah it? it was Brian Reed at Air United and he was um, quite close with Dave McPherson, who was my agent, so he kind of really pushed for it at that time. And um, Shabba Laszlo had just taken over, and I don't think he was too keen on me, so I think he thought, yeah, get him out on loan, see how he goes, and um, yeah, jumped at the chance. And how did you find that, the, the old loan at Air United? I loved it. Again, it was, you know... Competitive football. Yeah, competitive football. You had um, fans coming to your game, you had... Uh, seasoned professionals that had either you know fallen off the wayside or you know kind of finishing off their career and um, yeah it was a great little club you know good team spirit good manager and um, yeah it was um, a thoroughly enjoyable time. How did you find Brian Reid? Yeah it was good it was good like that it was a you know first team environment so it was a lot different from you know 19s and he's um, a hard guy isn't he Brian Reid? Yeah he's a big tough on you? Big, yeah he was quite tough you know he, he I think I signed on the Monday and threw me straight in on Tuesday night. And I remember he brought me into his office, you know, before the game. And I didn't think, I didn't, wasn't sure. I hadn't met any of the players. So I was thinking, I'll oh, maybe be on the bench or in the stands, see how it goes and then play on Saturday. And he's like, chucking you right in here. You're meant to be a big player from hearts. Go out and show it. You know, this is, this should be above your level. I want you to go out and dominate the game. And I remember we had Dundee. So they were still in that league and they had Griffiths. They had a good mm -hmm. team, Harkins. And he was like, I want you to go out there and dominate that midfield. And I was thinking, oh, Jesus, I don't know if I can. You know, that's, this is a totally different, don't know any of the boys' names. And he's like, it'll be you and Steve-O in the midfield. And he's like, you'll know Steve-O, he's got tats everywhere. <laughs> tats all over, yeah, it was Ryan Stevenson. <laughs> so I remember walking into the change rooms going, all right, lead look for the guy with the tattoos. And then there's Steve-O, <laughs> literally head to toe in tattoos. I'm like, okay, he's my centre midfield partner. And um, yeah, thankfully went out there and uh, me and Steve-O both scored, got a two-all draw and that kind of, you know, you're accepted in the change room straight yeah, away yeah, yeah. because of you know the performance and, and how you played and um, yeah I probably got accepted a lot quicker at Air United because of being thrown straight in the team and, and players thinking all right yeah he can actually help us out here. Would you recommend going on uh, any young player at a big club? Yeah I'd recommend it to everyone I think you can get into your kind of 19s and reserves and you think it's you know you're playing well when you're playing against you know first teamers that you think mm -hmm. but then when you've been in that age group or when you're a little bit of a first teamer and the coach pulls you and says you're in the reserves, your mindsets, you know, you're probably only playing at 70%. And he's, you know, I remember running around thinking, you know, he's not very good. Played against Naismith once, you know. Stephen Naismith. When, yeah, I remember uh -huh. when him and Ferguson done the, the thing at Rangers and they got dropped to dropped the bench. Right, okay. yeah. So they played in that reserve game. I remember thinking, he's, he's all right, but he's playing for Scotland and Ferguson played. Thinking they're all right, and then you know a couple of years later you play them at Ibrox. And, and the first like, team are here. You know they just they drop their standards for the reserves, and you lift your game. So I think going out to a first team environment, you can't beat that, and you you know you definitely the pressure of 
you know, guys coming back from work. So Air was only part-time. So they were coming straight from work, straight to the game, being like, I need this win bonus at the weekend or we can't lose this game. And just having that pressure that you don't get at, you know, at 19s, it's, you do video analysis of passing the ball out and, you know, there's 10 people there. Whereas if you go on Air, there's 12 people, but, you know, they're shouting at you. Know, you're in orbit yeah, you know, they're, they're, that's their club and that's their... Um, yeah, their club really and, and what they want from you is to win and good performances and, and get promoted or stay in the league. Mm -hmm. You got relegated that season? Yeah, I've got a good record of, <laughs> of going to places. <laughs> but I think you've done quite well. Did you take great confidence going back to Hearts that you'd be going back to Hearts to play? Yeah, you know, I played 34, 35 games. And, um, so that would have been got, the championship, wouldn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So the old Division One, and um, you know, got Steve always moved to Hearts in January, which he's never <laughs> thanked me for. And um, yeah, you know, done a lot of things like just yeah, just playing. You know, Tuesday, Saturday, and grinding out games, having to go away. You know, I'd never been Brian Regis to go. I want to draw. Do you mean like clean sheet draw? As long as we don't lose this game. And at 19s, you know, you never get that. You never go anywhere and play through draw sure, so it's yeah. just little things like that in terms of or you know we can't win because you know so and so is playing we're not relying on another result but you're thinking they're probably going to lose that game so if we get a point we're closer to them just all the things that happen real in, football in, yeah it? real football and um yeah it's a great eye-opener for for any young player so you went back to hearts and it was the jet jim jeffrey's <laughs> in charge can you remember your first dealings with him and billy brown as well who yeah so because because they were um part-time at air I used to train at Hearts and he and Jim Jeffries kind of came in in January or February so I used to train with him during the week and then go and play at air at the weekend right. um, so he had at that time I think if he could have maybe recalled me back towards the end of the season he, he would have but he was kind of thinking get all your games in this year and that when you come back pre-season you'll kind of be writing my plans and um, even his man management you know I used to I think we played Queen of the South one night and him and Gary Locke were there you know, watching me on a Tuesday night and before it was Shabba Laszlo and he used to, <laughs> he used to always think I played for Airdrie. <laughs> so he would, come no in, he would come in on the Monday and say, ah, oh, good win. And we just got beat, say, 4-0. And I was like, no, I played for Air. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And just keep walking. I remember used to thinking, I always used to look after the games if Airdrie won because <laughs> Shabba would think he's doing well out on loan. But just little things like that, you know, he, the Jet knew everyone, he knew where everyone played and, you know, he had, you know, sometimes on a Monday he would come in and have spoke to the opposition manager and be like, they were playing off you at the weekend. You know, they oh, said really? they got a lot of joy. And I used to be like, I think I did all right. But he'd just plant that little seed, you know, I don't want to hear that again. So next week I'd be like, <laughs> first of all, checking if the Jet knew the, their the opposition manager. manager. <laughs> but, you know, just little things like that, just making sure that, you know, I was on top of the game. Uh, Kevin Kyle said that on the interview here. He said, Jim Jeffries always keep me on your toes. Yeah, yeah, even that. Or, you know, in training, he'd be like, I'm watching you, Tay. I'm thinking about you for the weekend. Say it was a Monday. And straight away, you're probably like, no, you're not. But that Monday, you're like, oh, fuck, maybe I am playing. Yeah. So you start doing everything right and... Saturday comes you're in the stand, but you know, you've trained well all week and um, yeah, he was really good at that kind of side of the game and, and getting into it. So when uh, Lone Air ended, did Jim Jeffries have a chat and say, listen, you're going to play next year? He didn't, he just kind of said you're being content. He never used to say that anyone would play. Mm. Yeah, he used to always, used to say to Kev, you know, unless you get your, pull your finger out, you won't be playing. Who's Kev? Big Kevin Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> and then Kev used to be like, I'm fucking playing. <laughs> Who are you talking to? But yeah, he was, you know, really didn't want anyone resting on their laurels or. Um, so but yeah, could you he tell he liked you? 
Yeah, I could tell that you liked me compared to some other, you know, when certain managers like you, mm -hmm. you know, for the, maybe not the style you play, but how I went about my business or how I trained. And um, I think he was keen to give me an opportunity. He just wasn't too sure. He, a few games he used to play me centre mid. Easter Road came on at like left midfield. Um, so he used to try and get me involved as much as mm. possible with the, I think he used to see me as a centre back slash right back, but just to get appearances and get used to sort of the SBL, that was, you know, he used to just kind of throw me on anywhere. We've had a few stories about him and Billy Brown together after after games. Any any good stories for us? Oh, Rants or? I just remember pre-season we went away to Italy and the Jet used to have this list and it used to be the 98 Hearts Cup winning team, which was like his pinnacle. So we just used to have to do like a time trial run and you'd come in and afterwards, you know, you'd say you're three minutes 30 and he'd come over to you and be like, Neil McCann did three minutes 20. And that was fucking 12 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd be like, all right, yeah, it's a bit different. And he'd be like, just naming all the 98 cup winning teams going, Stevie Fulton used to eat 15 pies, two minutes 20. And you guys are out here getting three minutes 30, three minutes 40. Again, run up a hill going, fucking Neil McCann. Uh -huh. They must have been fit. But yeah, you know, he was old school like that. He had all these times and all these runs that he used to do that, you know, success way back then. And, um, yeah, I, th I don't think there's anything wrong in that. Yeah. That's Good just how he worked. Yeah, that's just how uh, he worked, and um, you know he was successful for that and stuck to it. So why were you then put on a on loan to Paddock Thistle? They were flying. We were flying at uh, at one point. I think we were second and third in the league, and um, wasn't getting the opportunities that I was maybe wanting to. And, and having previously been on loan and had a run of games, to then going back on the bench and getting ten minutes here, and then maybe playing a reserve game. I felt my fitness when I was getting thrown in, I was a little bit off it. You wouldn't have ready your hair. So um, I think McCall, Ian McCall at the time was at Partick this one. He called to, it was like that emergency loan. So I think it was only three months. Um, and, and Jeffrey said, would you be interested in doing that? Just getting some, again, games in your belt. And then when you come back, you're a little bit sharper and a little bit fitter. And um, yeah, off I went to, to Partick Thistle for a couple of months. Fair play, because some, some young players now, I feel, sitting on the bench are just happy to sit there, but you wanted to go on and again to, to get more games. Yeah, I just felt I wasn't doing myself justice, and I think a lot of boys get into that position where you train with the first team and you, you're sitting on the bench, but you're not getting your 90 minutes, and then you know, if, you, if the game's Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, you end up, you're kind of doing a, you know, a day before a game, you're not exactly doing too much, then you have the game, then you're off. Mm -hmm. So you kind of maybe having four or five days of a 60-minute session, and you're just losing sharpness, losing fitness, and, and then when you do get chucked in, you're, you're just you're off, it. Yeah, off yeah, it. You're, you're, <clears throat> And you're not doing yourself any justice. And I was at that kind of stage in my career where if I couldn't have too many games where I was miles off it because contract was coming up, mm -hmm. different managers at that time, you know, if, even first impressions for fans, they're like, not good enough, out you go. So I wanted to make sure that, you know, when I did get three or four games, that I was the best that I could be. And, um, that's an old head on young shoulders, Byron. <laughs> I was buzzing just being on the bench and going out every Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how was Ian McCall for you? Yeah, he was good. He was good. We had a, we had a very good team then. Um, that's probably the he one. He was something good plus. Uh, Jackie McNamara was there, Simon Donnelly, Chris Erskine, Paul Payton. Paul Kearney? Um, yeah, Paul Kearney was there. What a man, eh? Yeah, he was I a great guy. Um, who else? Chris Doolan. Like, that, I kind of left and the following season they got promoted. But even at that time, I you could tell that we were a couple of players off, you know, giving it a real good promotion push. And um, yeah, you know, again, a great change rooms that we had. And, um, 
at that time you could tell Jackie McNamara and, and Simon Donnelly were starting to take, you know, they used to sometimes take training Mondays and Tuesdays and I used to travel in with Jackie from Edinburgh, because obviously Edinburgh, we used to just drive through, so even just, you know, picking his ear in, in the car in the mornings and on the way back and um, yeah, he was a great guy and probably one of the reasons why I joined Dundee United a few years later. Mm -hmm. So see, that's the thing, the, the loan thing as well, people think you just go there to learn a bit on the field, but you might get lucky and Get an older pro that you travel when you end up finding out so much about the game and, yeah. and how they prepare, it's great. Even, even at Thistle, so it was um, sometimes if I played centre-back or right-back, Jackie would be right-back. Alan Archibald, who's now the manager, was centre-back. Paul Payton was in the midfield. Like You're playing with players that have gone on to have a good career or are now managers. Um, and they have that, you know, that wise head giving you little tricks of the trade and, and things that you don't get, you know, either staying at the first team or playing in the reserves. So, yeah. Like I said to you before, I'd recommend it to go for anyone. Great. So you returned at the end of the season, made your first start against Rangers at Ibrox. How was that? Yeah, I used to. <laughs> Naismith was playing, I remember. <laughs> you thought <this laughs> that reserve easy. game, thinking, yeah, this will be alright. He <laughs> was everywhere, running around. But um, yeah. Do you remember uh, getting getting told you were going to be starting? I remember. I think it was like the Thursday. And they were doing shape, and it was towards the end of the. I think it was the last game of the mm -hmm. season. Season, uh -huh. and. You're thinking, oh, maybe get a sniff here and there, and then someone, can't remember, someone went down with a hamstring injury, and they chucked me in centre mid. And I'm thinking, oh shit, centre mid, Ibrox. And I remember, <laughs> I remember the, the Ibrox, Jeffries and Lee Wallace was playing in that, and they used to have to pass it back to Lee Wallace, and then Lee Wallace like launched it up the pitch. From the start of the game. From the start of From the game. Off, uh -huh. I remember <laughs> Jeffries just saying, just control the ball, pass it to Lee Wallace, get up on seconds, and that's you into the game. And then I remember starting the game and seeing Naismith, like obviously knowing what I was going to do. <laughs> so I was thinking, oh no, I can't give it to Lee Wallace or he intercepts it. So I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn out and play it to the other side. So it looks like everyone's going to go that way. <laughs> so I was thinking in my head, you know, thinking, oh yeah, and everyone will be like, oh, he looks cool, calm, composing the ball. So I get the ball, go to play it to Lee Wallace and Naismith goes and turn back. <laughs> Lee McCulloch just smashes me. They get the ball, have a shot, and it goes out for a corner. And Jim Jeffries and Billy Brown, I could, there's 60,000 Ibrox, and I could hear those two. That fucking Aussie bastard! Just play it till he was. And Lee Wallace was my good mate, and he was just looking at me like this. Oh no, you've what got, have you done there? You've got a stink. Hey, did, you recover? did you recover after it? Did you have an alright game? We got beat 4 0, so no, probably not. But yeah, I remember the next time I got the ball, I just kept passing it. <laughs> You know, for the next 10, 15 minutes when your mind's frazzled, I just used to get it and just pass it and then just smash someone and just try and think of the good times and totally forget about it. I thought if I have a good end of the game, no one will remember it, but uh -huh. as soon as I walked on the bus after the game, everyone was like, what the fuck are you doing? That's just amazing. pass it to me. I love that. Um, although it finished 4-0, you started the next game, the first game of the next season. Mm. Why do you think that was? Um, a combination of a few things. Uh, Jamie Hamill was suspended, so he had signed in the summer from Kilmarnock as a kind of right-back um, centre midfielder, and I'd kind of done well pre-season. And Jeffrey said, well, you know, you've played last year, you kind of know what it's about. Going to play a um, right-back, senior air, know that you can play that position, and kind of going for a solid back four um, and try and get a positive result. And um, yeah, it was a good game. Man of the match. Yeah, got man of the match, but I lost possession. This is what Jeffries was good. At. I lost possession for the goal, 
So afterwards at Skylight, give you the man, it was Neil McCann and you know, everyone's like, oh, he did really well first start and you know, great start to the season. And I got back in the change rooms and you're thinking, yeah, you know, this, I'm gonna have a really good season. <laughs> Jeffrey's like, fucking giving the ball away and they fucking gone down and scored. We would have won today. If you're fucking giving the ball away, what were you doing up there? I remember being like, oh yeah, I, like you don't want to say anything back, but I remember thinking I lost the ball 70 yards away. I think it was, say, Zaliukas wasn't picking up in the box. You know when you're thinking as a player, all the different things. And he's been like, and he's like, well, that's a Monday morning. We'll be working on that. You're not giving away the ball. We would have won today. Three points up the road would have set us perfectly. Instead, we've got a draw. And we're just bringing us <laughs> right back down to earth and just thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm still miles off where I need to be or where I need to perform. Just keeping your feet on the ground there, huh? Yeah, he's just really good at, at doing that. Even temps, he used to just rip into temps all the time. I think he'd won like, Young player of the year. David Templeton. Yeah, he won Young Player of the Year a uh, month, two months in a row. And he's like, it's only young player. There's only, <laughs> there's only seven of you playing. <laughs> I remember Tim's being like, oh, yeah, maybe true. He's just <laughs> really good at bringing, <laughs> bringing boys down. In that, in that team, when you first broke in, who, who were the good senior players then? Uh, Andy Webster, Zaliukas, um, Lee Wallace, you know, was towards the end, and then he, he went to Rangers. Um, and then, you know, we had Ian Black. Rudy Scatchell, David Templeton, Kevin Carl, Stephen Elliott. We had a really good, good team, um, right. team. Danny Granger, Jamie Hamill. You know, it was a really good group of boys that was um, that kind of helped us through that season. Honestly, how how funny was Kevin Carl? Oh, he's. I watched the, on the show. That's exactly what he's like. <laughs> like just even in training, and he used to go, he used to go out in training and be like, "I'm not not going to perform today." And boys were like, "Come on, like we need you today." He's like. You play in the Premier League. <laughs> you play for big clubs. You've not played for big clubs. I'll decide when I want to train. <laughs> you used to just be like that all the time. And um, Jeffries was probably the only one that he wasn't too sure about. Do you know what I mean? Like he used, Jeffries used to rip into everyone else, but Kevin was probably the only one that kind of nipped back at him a few times. And, um, Did they have they a few kinda, Yeah, they kind of had like a love hate relationship. Like Jeffries used to. <laughs> You know, come charging out of his box. He's like a big bear, you know, shouting at Kevin Carl, hold it up. <laughs> and Kevin Carl used to be like, when I was on the bench, he'd be like, I'm the least of your worries, sort them, <laughs> sort them out. <laughs> I'm the least of your worries. <laughs> Shout back to the, to the defence. Oh, and I'm taking amazing. a throw in, and you couldn't help but laugh, do you know what I mean? Like, sort them out, don't worry about me. Oh, but that's just what he was like 24 7. Amazing. Uh, early on in the season, Jim loses his job. Yeah. Think that was fair. At that stage, there was just you know decisions that were coming out left, right, and centre. I remember when Jeff, so I think we played Dundee United at home, we drew, and then he got the sack. I think on the Monday, and I remember you know when you start getting texts, is the gaffer away? You know, boys that are not really like teammates. Mm -hmm. so is Jeffrey's leaving? And then you know, BBC like reporters start calling you, and then you get the text message: Can everyone please report to Tynecastle? Castle? 1.30, I think it was in the afternoon. Um, and you're thinking, oh yeah, he must, he must be going. And I remember a lot of the boys were quite angry because he'd signed like that, Danny Granger, Hamill, Kevin Carr hadn't been there long, Stephen Elliott. He'd signed a lot of the boys and we actually got off to a reasonably good start. It was the back end of last season where we kind of tailed off a little bit. Um, so we kind of thought it was a little bit unfair, but at that stage, you know, it's, you're a player, it's kind of out with your control and, um, and then Paolo Sergio came in a couple of days later. Did the Jet get a chance to say bye to the boys? Yeah, I think he was kind of, he wasn't in the actual meeting that we had, but he was floating around Tyne Castle at that stage and just said, you know, that's 
part and par parcel of football. You know, we've, he was kind of saying, I've inherited group, good boys, I've brought in good boys. You, are, you do have a good squad, so you know, just make sure that you don't make it look bad on me by going out and performing badly. You know, show them that there were good signings that we brought in and, and have a good, success, a good successful season. And um, yeah, we kind of did that at the end. It sounds like a top man. <clears throat> we need to get him on the show. So pa Paolo Sergio turns up, suit on. First day? Uh, cardigan. Cardigan, okay. Yeah, yeah. He came in <laughs> with... in the mould. Yeah, he came in with what I was talking about before. So he came in with like three or four guys in the background. And he's like, this is my team. So from now on, this is my team. And you're looking and they all had like the suits on, smart dressed. You're thinking, well, I wonder if, if he gets sacked and this one gets promoted. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we were all saying, that he get promoted. But yeah, you know, he was probably, um, for professionalism and, and changing a lot of things around the club, he was kind of went from old school to you know a whole new different wave of of training and, and how he went about things so what sort of stuff would he change food uh so straight away your wednesday day off was gone so he's like his kind of thing was i can't believe you train on a wednesday that's like your middle you know middle of the week that should be your highest performance sessions and then you kind of tail it off so he just trained so you were, you were in for recovery on the sunday off monday and then Tuesday, Wednesday was your, your hard days. Thursday, you kind of slacked off on Friday, but even just his organization. So every day before training, we had like a, a board up and he put up a piece of paper and it was literally every detail of what you're gonna do. So it would be warm up seven to eight minutes long and then boxes for seven minutes. And it would have like on the piece of paper, the pitch, so it was like four different pitches. So the warm up, it would show you whereabouts in the pitch your boxes were going to be. And then it'd be like possession, and it would have red bibs. So it'd be like wow. me, you, so and so, so and so, so and so. Yellow bibs, orange bibs. So you knew as soon as you were out there what bib to pick up, so what you were doing, well, what you're moving. And then it was like crossing and finishing drills. It, would, it wouldn't be like right left footers out there, strike. It was. The names were up here. There were your positions, there were your cones. And then if you. Then it would be like five, ten minutes that way, and then you'd change. So sometimes I would be crossing, and then the second one you'd look for your name, and you were a midfielder passing it in. Wow. And he was every single day. And did you like that as a young player? Yeah, used to like it because it, it, there was a few boys, the younger boys, which I used to not like. You know, when you're younger and you're not sure if you're training with the first team or <laughs> not. So you know, the, like your youth team manager would be like, "Go ask you know the gaffer if you're training," and you'd be like, oh. "You know, in the corridor." Uh, gaffer, am I training with you today or not? You know, and all the older boys would be like, Gaffer, Gaffer, am I training or not? <laughs> that was just, you knew straight away. So before you came into training, you knew if you were training with the first team or not, who was in or not. Mm -hmm. But then it caused a few issues because you could almost tell the team. So say we're doing shape, you could kind of tell the team before you went out. Mm -hmm. So there was a few boys in the warm up or possession, if they weren't, say, starting on the Friday, they knew that they weren't going to be playing or they maybe knew on a Tuesday. So there's a few issues that that came because, you know, before, like a few boys before training would go up to the gaffer and be like, why am I not playing? Whereas nowadays or with Jeffries, it was after training, you'd have to go see the see gaffer. Him, uh, and only by that you'd scoot off and- Was he quite approachable, Paolo Sergio? Um, yeah, he was. He was, he, was, he was a really good man manager. Um, but at that, at that stage, it wasn't too much football-wise. There was obviously a lot of issues off the pitch, which probably brought us closer together because 
sometimes we'd come into training and, and boys' heads were gone, you know, regarding like not being paid or what's going on with contracts. So he was quite good at sometimes, he used to just scrap the piece of paper and we'd just maybe play, you know, 5v5s or 5 anything. Like just have a bit of a fun session to get everyone's spirits up. And um, yeah, he was, he was quite good with that in terms of everything that was going on around the club, keeping us quite focused. How hard is that as players when boys aren't getting paid? Is it that difficult? Because you hear, Results yeah. are going well because of things up back in the back in the background. Does that happen to her? Um, it can do. Again, I was you know I was a young boy. I think I was only twenty at the time, so I didn't really have a house, didn't have a mortgage, didn't have car. You know, and people sometimes forget they're like, oh, you know, you're playing for Hearts, big club, but you're not on you know ten grand, twenty grand a week. You're, That's when you're yeah. China, you get yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> but you're only on you know a couple of grand max, and that's the big players, and they probably have families and mortgages and. And if you go, I think we went 12, 13 weeks without being paid, you know, you're dipping right into your savings. And, and you know, it's like some boys don't even have any Wait, savings. No, some boys <laughs> don't have any savings. So, um, yeah, it was probably about the seven or eight week mark that a few of the older players... Um, started to affect them? No, it didn't start to affect them. We just had a, a meeting as a squad and we, we came up with a list. So we went to the club and said, um, because the money was getting drip fed, and we, we came up with a list that we made as a team of when the money comes in, this is who it goes to first, second, third, fourth. So as they could kind of say, we could give you, like sometimes they'll come, we give you 80 quid or 90 quid this Thursday and then the rest of your money the following Wednesday. And that would be everyone. So everyone would be getting paid 90 quid on Thursday and then the rest of their salaries two weeks later because the money was getting drip fed in. So we came up with that system of listen, pay, Sire Ferry first, because he needs the money the most. Then me, then Kevin Carl, then Jeremy. So we came to that list of... And who's it you were communicating with? Chief Exec or manager? Again, that was another issue. We just kind of had um, like Claire Cowan, who was like the PR lady. We had, we had people that were facing the issues that weren't anything to do with the issues. And that got on a few boys' nerves because we'd want to see, you know, Romanov or someone high up close to him to say, hey, listen, what's going on? We're the ones that are getting, you know, not paid and all the issues with. And they would kind of send in a few, you know, people that shouldn't have really been Being handling there. those issues. Is it hard to play for going to Saturday and try your hardest for people who you know are taking the piss and not paying you? Uh, not so much that because, you know, we had such a good support and, you know, Tynecastle was a great place to play mm. and, and you do, it does go out the window in that 90 minutes, but you know, it was in a few boys' heads of being like, you know, what happens if I break my knee and need an operation? Mm-hmm. They're not going to pay it and I've, they've not spoke to me about a contract next year and I'm not getting paid. So, you know, my missus would have to take time off work and she's taken up extra shifts. Mm-hmm. It does cause a lot of unneeded stress on, on relationships, on players and, and it kind of takes the focus away of 90 minutes on a Saturday. How good is that? The Hearts fans in that atmosphere at Tynecastle—it's famous. Yeah, isn't it? yeah, they're they're great. You know, I have a, a great um, sort of rapport with them, um, and I yeah, I used to love it. You know, even away games just take a good support away in away games, and um, yeah, you know, I, I lived in Diggs as growing up with a, a mad mad Hearts fan. She's um, just not miss a game, and she used to go to all the games, and I used to see how much results affected her. You know, around the house. Um, and she just loved it and like all of her friends, you know what it's like, they, they just go like White Hart Lane, she was on the, f- the day the draw came, looking up hotels in London, getting organising everything, so um, yeah, I got a 
real good insight into how much it means to people and um, yeah, just have a really good rapport with them and, and you know, Tyne Castle, they, they create such a good atmosphere that it's a pleasure to play in front of. See, when the atmosphere is that good, do you always fancy, even when it is a Spurs or a Liverpool or a Celtic or Rangers, do you always fancy yourself to, to get a result with the fans behind you? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, even Jim Jeffries and Gary Locke, they used to be big on it. They used to be first 10, 15 minutes, make sure that, like they used to say to me, obviously I'm not going to do a pass or do just go smash someone. First time, or go like chase a lost cause or start a fight if we hadn't got off to a good start and get the fans on your side and um, used to really play on, on those kind of things and get the fans on your side because they are such a help when they're, they're right behind you. And I think even the start of this season, you know, they've got off to such a good start that um, you know, it shows what a difference it makes in that little 10% confidence you get when you're playing at home. One guy who loved the fans and fans loved was uh, Rudy Scatchel. <laughs> how, how good was he? Yeah, he was... He was really good. He's got one of the sweetest left foot strikes that you've, you know, obviously everyone's seen it at Hearts, but even at training, he used to just score rockets in training. But he used to practice all the time, even after training and that, he used to just get the young boys to ping it out to him at the edge of the box. He'd take a touch and just hit it. And he wouldn't put a goalie in, he just used to continually hit the target. And if you missed the target, it would only be by, you know, a couple of inches. And he used to just kind of say, if you hit it hard enough and the keeper saves it and holds it, he says, you're still going to get a clap. And they're still going to shout, Rudy, Rudy. <laughs> He's like, if you blow it, up, you know, put it miles over the bar, everyone's going to go, oh, and be so just hitting it. the target. So just, just hit the target, make the keeper save it. And he goes, if you, I think Chris Boyd said it once as well, if you aim for the keeper, chances are you're not actually going to hit the keeper. It's only going to go either side. Mm. So it's going to make them save it. I think that's just what he used to do. Just hit it as hard as he can. And because he used to do it every day, repetition, repetition, he used to just get it on... Um, perfect, and nine times out of ten, it probably went in. Was he a good guy? Yeah, he was a good guy. He was quiet, quite reserved. Like the most he ever used to talk or be animated was probably Tynecastle when he was waving to all the fans yeah. and, and talking to all the fans. But um, yeah, he was, a, he was a really good guy to have around the change rooms and, and good professional. You know, he was coming towards the end of his his time, but you know, he's like his body fats and how he kept himself and in the gym was, um, you know, it was really good. Uh, big game player. Talking about big games, you scored your first goal for Hearts in an Edinburgh derby. Yeah. Can you remember it? Yeah, I can, yeah. Um, should have been sent off later. I got a two-game... What was that for? Sproul? Head-butted Sproul, yeah. After... You got second prizes, did you know? <laughs> yeah, I got a second prize and just got caught up in it and just gave him one of those. <laughs> and then, you know, as soon as you do it, you go, I didn't do it. Anything just praying that the ref didn't do anything. But it would have been better if the ref gave me a yellow, I wouldn't have got that ban, you know, when you get a yellow, they can't ban you afterward. Right. But he didn't give me anything, and then that officer person. Oh, right, so they can look back on it yeah, again. Yeah. But anyway, the goal talk us through that. Uh, it was a screamer. Have you seen it? No. It's from a literally about <laughs> that far out. I stole, I think it was Webby's goal or something. <laughs> just steal goals for us. <laughs> but it was, um, yeah, we just set up, and, and my role was to kind of block and get to the back post and feed off kind of scraps and um, it was just the start of the second half and it was nil-nil. I think it's Webster, heads it, keeper spills it and I just quickly tap it in and um, yeah, I'd been in Easter Road as a fan, you know, plenty of times and, and loved those atmospheres and, and how much it means. Yeah, I just used to go to the games, used to get bombed from the squad or when I was on loan for air, used to, you know, you love those games and a mm-hmm. um, few drinks with my mates and, and go on the stands so... I remember being on that side and, um, you know, a lot of my mates had me first goal scorer because I was 50, 60 to 1. Oh, so, um, yeah, it was, it was good to, to get that goal at, at Easter Road in front of the Hearts fans as well. And it was, um, I think we went on to win 3-1, which was good. 
Yeah. At that time, there was a real hatred between the two teams. Was that spoken about in the, in the build-up to games? Yeah, um, it was and it wasn't because we had Sir Paolo Sergio, who wasn't that. He used to be like football, football, football. Okay. But then you had Gary Locke, who's a die-hard. Heart, you can't meet a bigger Hearts fan. So sometimes Paolo Sergio used to be like, "Don't play the occasion. You know, like keep playing the way you're playing." and walk off, and Lockie would be like, fucking smash those passes. <laughs> if you fucking take your tag out of the back, fucking smash them, make sure they know. So you had that kind of half balance of, of knowing what it meant and then trying to play football. And yeah. I think that season, they didn't beat us at, at all. I think we, we drew a couple. And at that time, even with Jeffries, we had a, I wouldn't say a stronghold on them, but when we weren't playing well or they were on top, we just always felt that we were going to get a goal or just a sucker punch and just kind of not bring them. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature sleep number smart beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together jd power ranks sleep number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store and now save 50 percent on the sleep number limited edition smart bed for a limited time for jd power 2023 award information visit jdpower.com awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com back down but I think even one of the seasons they were right up there and we were struggling and we, we used to get results off them and um, yeah, they were just great games to play in. Was there, was there a certain player that used to, used to relish batting against in the derby? Obviously Sproul a few times and at that I was kind of playing left back at, at points, so he used to be on the right. Um, so yeah, I liked him and then um, later on like Griffiths came, so he's a, a big hippie. Uh-huh. Did you just give O'Connor. each other a bit of John games? Um, a little bit, but like that, he had played at, we had kind of gone through, you know, so when I was at Air, he was at Dundee, and then we got to play each other at um, Hearts and Hibs, and then he went to Celtic, and I went to Dundee United, so we played each other, he's gone up and I've gone down, <laughs> we played each other a few times, but yeah, he was a good one to, to play against, um, but yeah, it was more just a... Louis Stevenson, he was a left back, but he's just a, a nice guy. He didn't really mind him too much. But, um, yeah, it was more just the, of making sure that you, you weren't losing those, those kind of games. Because I always remember you being quite angry in derbies. Yeah, they're just because that, just there's so much riding on them. You, know, you, you just don't want to, to lose. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. And even for Hearts fans, I think if you win a derby, it gives yourself 
three or four bad performances before they maybe get on your back. Mm. And, um, you know, and then scoring in them, you get five or six. Um, so I think I knew how important <laughs> it was. But you usually need that. Yeah, so I needed a, a win and a goal. <laughs> a goal. <laughs> <laughs> Hoping that it gets me to the next game. But, um, yeah, that's uh, it's just so important to the club and it's just the bragging rights and, and fans love it. So it was um, important not to get beaten and keep those bragging rights. Brilliant. Uh, Scottish Cup, we'll talk about now. So you are doing great and then you get Celtic in the semi-finals. Again, were you confident to, confident to beat in Celtic? Um... Probably not. I don't think we'd, we'd played that well against them, to be honest. And then Hibs played Aberdeen on the Saturday and Hibs won. So Hibs were in the final. So that obviously brings its own added pressure of, you know, if you win, you've got Hibs in the final and you don't really want to lose because then you've had that chance of, of possibly beating them. So, um, yeah, we were a little bit nervous, but we had a, from as soon as the semi-final came out, Paolo Sergio kind of worked on a, not formation or a game plan, but he was so rigid and knew what we are going to do that if the, the longer the game went with that game plan, I think the more belief we got. And um, even with the players he played, he played like young Robertson on the right. So I think we played like a 4-5-1. And he just kind of played, he didn't hang him out to dry as such, but he said 45 minutes of buzzing around, being as busy as you can, and then we're probably going to bring on Beattie and change the formation and they won't be expecting that and then we'll try and nick a goal there. So the, the whole plan was get to half time, nil-nil, and then we can bring players on to change the game and try and do it. And it actually worked perfectly. Beatty came on at half time and we scored, Rudy scored straight away. And um, yeah, it was just one of those games. I think they missed a few sitters and um, yeah, we were lucky enough to win. Wait, did you love the big occasions playing for Hearts? The semi-finals yeah. in the derby, huh? you yeah. relished them? Yeah, I was, quite, I was quite lucky, you know, looking back on my Hearts career. You know, say the last 10 years, Hearts fans say their best kind of games. I think I'd be involved in most of them, like that White Hart Lane, Anfield against Liverpool, semi-finals, cup finals, the derbies, most of the derbies we won. So a lot of, you know, good memories from Hearts, big games the last 10 years I was involved in. And, um, yeah, we had a kind of a sense that season of, on the big occasions, we had players that could score goals and, and win us the game. And uh, Beattie gets, Hearts get the penalty. Was Beattie always the man that was going to take it or did he just take it upon himself? Um, he was and he wasn't because we were struggling for penalties. We'd missed a few. So Hamill used to take them and he got injured. Granger took a couple, missed a couple. Scatchel didn't like penalties for some reason. Um, he'd he be, say, I don't want the penalties. Yeah, he used to just kind of be like, don't really, don't really fancy it. Um, and then the day before, we'd worked on penalties. This is what Sergio used to make. He made us take seven penalties in a row. So just, and we had to walk from the halfway line. So the day before the game, we had to walk, do the whole walk in case it went to penalties. Because he's kind of playing, not playing for a draw, but we'd have been happy with a draw and, and taking to pens. So you had to do that, take a pen and then walk back. And walk. So it took us like 40 minutes by the time everyone <laughs> walked down. And Beats was, he was really good, straight down the middle. So when we got the penalty, I was buzzing thinking, I fancy him. It was last minute, so I'm like, I think it was Fraser Foster and goals. He's going to have to dive. So as long as he gets enough height on it, he's going to score. So I was relatively confident he was going to score. But the other funny thing a few people spoke to me about is, um, so a few boys were on yellow cards, and Paolo Sergio was saying, do not get a stupid yellow for celebrating or you know, descent, and you end up missing the final. And Darren Barr and a few of the boys were on yellow cards. So when Beattie scores, you can watch it back later, Beattie scores and he goes off the pitch and Darren Barr's on a yellow and he's chasing 
beats and then it's almost like he sees the line and just puts the brakes on, <laughs> puts the brakes on, stops and doesn't go. Doesn't and I remember thinking, it. I'm not on a yellow. <laughs> I'm oh, gone yeah. as well. And I just felt, yeah, just chased BD around. And then for ages, like people always tweet me, like, have you ever caught BD, blah, blah, blah. But um, yeah, it was just a great, you, know, you don't expect to get a penalty against Celtic in the last minute and then to score it knowing that you're going to play Hibs. And um, yeah, it was just a great, Great day, great night, great Monday. <laughs> great <laughs> great yeah. couple of few days. Did uh, Jenk Craig beat? He's the palest guy ever. Take his top off at Hamden. Yeah, I think he's seriously. Did he get sticks for the celebration? I think, I think he seriously regretted it as soon as he got in the change rooms. <laughs> but I expected him to have a better body than that big beats, eh? Nah, he's just he's just got that. I don't know what it is. It's just the big. Un unnatural strength in it. Uh -huh. uh -huh. yeah, it was the celebrations after it, brilliant, uh huh? Yeah, it was good. So obviously the whole city was buzzing because Hibs had obviously made the cup final, we had made the cup final and um, yeah, a few of us went back and it was an early kickoff, which we don't normally get. So we were back in Edinburgh for like four or five o'clock. So a few of the younger ones at the time went out and... Um, Any of the older ones now? Uh, yeah, a few of the older ones. There's probably 10, 12 of us that, that went out in Edinburgh and, and we were off on the Monday. So yeah, had a good, good little drink. See, Paolo Sergio being the reserve guy, after a game like that, would he be going mad in the dressing room celebrating or would he still always be calm and cool? Yeah, he was quite calm. The, probably Lockie was probably the one that I didn't expect. It, we walked into the change rooms and I think it just kind of hit him that we're going to play Hibs in a cup final. I remember him being like, yeah, it was great, you know, great win, but fucking can't lose the final. And it, I remember everyone being like, yeah, shit, this is going to be a massive game. And even on the, on the bus on the way back, we're thinking, wow, this is going to be huge. It's, Hibs hadn't won it in like 115, 16 years at the time. And we hadn't won it in a while. And just thinking, oh, this is going to be a massive game. And, and Sergio used to keep, again, like with Lockie and Sergio, used to be like, right, next game is the most important. And Lockie behind would be like, cup final. <laughs> <laughs> cup final. Brilliant, eh? So he was... But, um, see, he just was on final. that, was there a a real expectation of this will be amazing if I win it but also on the other side you're thinking yeah. if we lose this it'll be, it'll be horrible yeah we would the boys speak about that amongst yeah, themselves we used, to speak, we used to be like we do not want to be the team that is known as the team that's lost to Hibs in the cup final because it's like they've eventually won it but they Before beat us yeah, so they, long yeah they beat them I think they beat Hearts in the third or fourth round so they, they create their own memories later on you know semi-finals and finals whereas that final you know Imagine, for example, I used to think if I give away a pen and Griffiths scores and they win 1 0, no matter what I do for Hearts, Hibs fans or everyone would be like, gave away the pen, didn't you, big fella? <laughs> huh? And I, I couldn't, that would just, just drive me crazy being like, but in football, you, these things can happen. It could be a dodgy, it wasn't a pen and it's given as a pen. Mm -hmm. And they had Griffiths and O'Connor at that time that were doing well. And we used to always like, worry about if it's just one of those games that Griffiths puts one in top corner and you can't score and the bloody bastards go on and beat you 1-0, do you know what I mean? And you're, you're remembered as the team that's, that's lost to them and I think a lot of that was riding on it leading up to it. So I lead up to a bad game, it's more the mental side that, that bothers you? Uh -huh. Yeah, well, it was, it was probably, again, Sergio is quite good in terms of, he used to just kind of, he missed the whole, he just used to think Hibs is Hibs. And, uh -huh. uh, so, so he used to just be like, we've beaten them four or five times already this season. So if we just play as we've always played all season, we're going to win. Mm -hmm. And Lockie used to be like, yeah, but uh -huh. there's just that chance. 
that they might win. Uh -huh. So let's make sure that we don't. So, you know, we were right on it from, um, pretty much from that semi-final was, everyone's mind was on it. You know, we used to go into games being like, don't lose this game. I think we played Aberdeen. We're like, right, kind of treat this as a cup final and, and don't lose it. And then we played Celtic the week before the cup final. And I remember Sergio being like, right, it's a big game, they won the league, so it was going to be a good atmosphere. Let's try and keep it nil-nil and play it like a cup final. Loves it nil-nil. Yeah, loves it. <laughs> Got beat 5-0. <five> <laughs> so everyone around, was man. like, yeah, maybe not a good confidence booster, but yeah, that whole game took care of itself. But um, yeah, people forget how much of a big build-up it was before the game. See, the week leading up, how, how soon do you know that you're, if you're playing on it? Um, I was kind of quietly confident because he hadn't really changed the back four in the midfield. So there's only kind of a few positions that he wasn't too sure on and he was going to chop and change. But probably from the, the Tuesday, he had kind of locked it in. Or you could kind of guess the, the starting 11. And then it became the whole no one knows because it's obviously Edinburgh. So we would have like loads of fans turning up to game. You didn't know if they're Hibs fans or Hearts fans. So like rumours going around that so-and-so starting. So then I think Thursday or Friday, Sergio started throwing boys in different positions. I think we, we trained as a back three for a little bit while the cameras were out and right. a few little mind games of, um, you know, so-and-so sick and those kind of things. But we kind of knew probably on the Monday or Tuesday that the starting 11 and, and what we we're going to do. And do you sleep all right the night before the final? Huh? Yeah, I, yeah, slept quite well. We, we stayed away in the hotel the night before, and um, yeah, I think you just, as a player, you, you then just start knowing that you need to get your body right, you need to do the right things, and, and make sure you do all the, all the things off the pitch to help you on the pitch. Now, we spoke to big Gary O'Connor about that game, and he said that Hibs were in disarray. Was, was there a feeling amongst the Hearts players that they were in a bad way? Um, Yes and no. I, I, I listened to that interview. And I, obviously, I wasn't involved in it, but you know, he was talking about things like bonuses and um, they were moaning about bonuses. I think that our mindset at that stage wasn't about money or bonuses. We weren't getting paid anyway, so it didn't matter what bonuses <laughs> they were going to give us. But we were just like, this, is, this will be history for us. This will be like what it is just now. You know, anytime we go back, I think we went back um, a couple of weeks ago, some of the players that have played, you know, we're treated as heroes and kings and, and people still talk to, to us about it this day. And I think we had that, you know, drained into us that, you know, this is a game that can change your career, it can change your life, it can, you know, you can be remembered for so long. So I think we weren't really worried too much about formations or tactics or who wasn't playing or bonuses. We were more worried about, let's go out there, first and foremost, win the game and create some moments and become heroes. The game itself, two up early in the first half and then Hibs scored early, yeah. just before half time, that must have pissed you off because you were in control of the game, weren't you? Yeah, I think, and I think Pate cleared one off the line to make it 3-0 and then they've gone up and scored mm -hmm. and you start getting that, we've just battered them for 45 minutes and we're still only 2-1 ahead and, but again, like Sergio just calmed us all down and was like, you keep playing this way, we're going to create more chances. They hadn't really had many chances um, and we had some good players on the bench. We had Beatty on the bench. Um, so we had a few players that if it become 2-2, you know, we could change it. We changed formations. He spoke about changing formations if so-and-so came on. Um, so, yeah, we were annoyed at conceding the goal, but we also knew that if we continued to play the way we were playing, we, we would probably go out and win the game. So you were 3-1 up, and then the big boy makes it 4-1. <laughs> How was that? Best feeling? Ah, oh, unbelievable feeling. It's still, even now, I get sent it all the time. It's still goosebumps. I wish I did a bit of a better celebration but um, 
like that. I think it was just all of the build-up, all of the tension is just... Because, again, at half-time, even Hearts fans would be like, it's only 2-1. Mm-hmm. Granger scores straight away and then, and then I score. So I think it's 50 minutes and we're 4-1 up and they're down to 10 men. And, you know, I remember when I scored just thinking, that's it, we've won it. There's no way they're coming back here. And, um, yeah, it was just an unbelievable feeling. And then it goes 5-1, it's party time. Are you saying amongst each other on the pitch, we've won the cup? Yeah, well, I was kind of saying it as soon as, we, as, soon as I scored that we'd won it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you, you always get, you know, it could have been more. Like, why did you not go, f- you know, to get seven, really? eight, nine? Yeah, if Hearts fans are, are right on you. Like, we told not to stop scoring and it wasn't as, really? if, we stop, wasn't as if we stopped scoring. <laughs> we just, they kind of shut up shop and they were a good team at the uh-huh. time. But um, yeah, we was just, uh, just got in that formation. It was good. It was a good game to be able to, you know, the last 20, 30 minutes, you know, all their fans were leaving, our fans were loving it. It was like that party atmosphere and it was probably one of the only games that you could really soak up the atmosphere. Would that have been the highlight of your career? Yeah, it's probably club career. It's definitely been up there, obviously, playing for the national team and that's yeah. good. But yeah, for club-wise, it's, I don't think there's many more moments that could beat, you know, beating your biggest rivals 5-1 and, and getting on the score sheet. Paid at the end of the month in China is up there, isn't it? <laughs> well, he's getting paid. <laughs> getting paid is a good thing. But an uh, open top bus parade in, in Edinburgh, how special was that? Was it anyone drinking so bambas? Oh, it was... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one from him, wasn't it? Um, yeah, that was messy. That was a messy, messy day. Come we over were, here. Yeah, so again, like, we had a thing at Tynecastle after the game, but before a cup final, it's, you kind of like win-lose, we'll come back here, but... No one really wants to think about it if you lose. So that didn't end up finishing until like five, six in the morning and then had to go home, get to like a taxi home, get your um, different polo on and you had to, we had to go to the chambers in Edinburgh. Right. And there's just boys throwing up in the toilet, like <laughs> <laughs> people hadn't slept. Uh, you only had like, I think I only had an hour, two hours sleep and, and Sergio's coming around taking like bottles off boys because oh, boys really? are straight, it's just like, Wait, wait, wait until we speak to you know all the fancy people that don't even care about football, and then we get on the bus. <laughs> Lockie is just smashed. He's just, <laughs> he's just loving oh, life. Too, he's just, he's just like, you know, Sergio's taking the beer off him and walking off, and he's just sliding you another one. <laughs> just being like, don't, no one throw up over the bus. That was a big thing. Don't throw up on the bus. So would Palon even enjoy a beer with the boys now? Yeah, well, but that the night before he was on the like we had a karaoke. He was on the karaoke. What was he song? Some Portuguese song. Everyone's just like, you know, it's your gaffer. You're like, oh, it's good one. <laughs> good song, get off. Let's go, Metal. But yeah, it was good. Yeah, even Great the parade. Yeah, the, the parade was great. And um, yeah, even the, the Sunday night was really good. Went to Lockie, got a place um, in Bonnie Rig. Lockie's the man, isn't he? Yeah. And he, he invited a few of us boys up. And um, yeah, we went, we went to this like community club. And it was unbelievable. Honestly, it was one of the best nights I've ever had. He literally called us, being like, a couple of my mates are here, the Scottish Cup's here, it's just Hearts fans, so you won't get any bother, come up and have a few drinks. Because, like, that town was a bit... Nice yeah, he didn't really know what to do. So we went up to Woodburn Club, it's called, and honestly, you walked in. Walked in and everyone realised it was me and Danny Granger and a couple of the young boys and Lockie had got us from the front door and as soon as they realised it was we crowd surfed from the door this is how packed it was they crowd surfed us all the way there to our, this table where it was just full of drink and they're like that's for you and people just coming up just putting drinks on you taking shots 
it was like a free bar. Uh -huh. it, just, it was literally like a rebel club just going mental for <laughs> until it was like 3 a.m. and they just shut the doors and we just stayed in there. It was, All night, uh -huh. it was unbelievable. It was one Amazing of the best memories, mate. Yeah, it was a great night. Next year, uh, drawing Liverpool in the uh, Europa, Europa Cup, wasn't it? Europa League? Europa League, yeah. See, when you get drawn a team against Liverpool, is it excitement or is it a wee bit of, oof, we could get our arse felt here? Uh, it's a bit of both because it's that last game before the Europa League. League, uh -huh. So you like, you don't want to play like a quality team that no one hears of and get spanked 6-7-0 and be out. Mm -hmm. You'd rather maybe have a glamour tie. So you kind of want to, do you mean, because the chances of us actually going to the Europa League, because that, that squad that won the cup final got ripped out. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of left with probably a not as good team as the cup final team. So we were just kind of being like, yeah, we'd love to have Liverpool. And Liverpool were just starting to become I think Rogers, it was ben his, Rogers, uh, he had just gone there, so they'd signed a few, spent a bit of money. So, yeah, as soon as Liverpool came, Liverpool came out, we were thinking this is going to be great, but we didn't want to have a 5 0 against Spurs in the first leg and ruin the, the second leg. So it was, um, yeah, again, it was a, a big game to play, and we lost 1 0 at home and then uh, drew away 1 1. Yeah, uh, yeah. How was Anfield? Anfield was great, yeah, it was really good. Again, like, I think there was a huge amount of Hearts fans that that travelled down and um, Pepe Reina scored, attempts, tries to claim it, but he really... Pepe Reina scored. <laughs> he really, attempts didn't really score. He loves, <laughs> he loves thinking that he scored, but um, yeah, he scored and, and like that, we were thinking it's gone to extra time and, and then Suarez scored at the end to, to go out and away goals, which is, on reflection, not really too bad a result. How, how good was Suarez? Yeah, they were good, because they kind of sent up like a Diddy team, really, in the first leg, and we... Uh, Lost one nil, and then they brought a few of their big boys back for the for the second leg because they were a little bit. Not that they were struggling as such, but I don't think they'd go off to a great it's start in the Premier League. Right, and uh -huh. So they put Suarez, Gerard, a few of the boys in, and um, yeah, uh, it was uh, one of those games that yeah, if we got to extra time, it would have been interesting to see what what happened. We probably still would have lost, but it would have been good to to get hold on and, and take them to extra time. That summer, thought I looked just thought you were going to go to Rangers. Talk us through that. Why, why did it not happen? Um, it was literally right after the Anfield game, so we um, drove back and I almost missed it, really. I'd, we obviously had a, a big night before and I'd, I'd gone for a, a nap and woke up and um, had about 15 missed calls from my agent, from David Sutherland, who was like the CEO at Hearts. You know, when you're just getting a few phone calls, you're like, why, why are they? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking, what, cup final, what have I done? <laughs> and that club in what, <laughs> What's happened there? But um, yeah, Cornyn called um, my agent and he's like, yeah, Rangers have put a bid in and, and Hearts have accepted it. Um, you, you've got permission to go speak to, to Rangers. And initially I'd just broken into the um, national team and we were like 18 months from a World Cup and Rangers had just gone down to the third division and I was thinking, I'm not too sure if I'm, I'm that keen on it. So called my agent up and said, not really interested in it, to be honest. Um, I'd rather just stay at Hearts and, and maybe go somewhere in January. I was thinking Championship or, or somewhere down south. Back to Aaron then, Scottish Championship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Aero Thistle were looking for <laughs> someone. Um, and then um, got a call back from the CEO at Hearts being like they've upped the bid and we've accepted it and with our financials position blah 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 maybe go have a chat with them reading between the lines just thinking need to go you kind of need to go um, and then had a phone call from Ali McCoist um, 
who's couldn't have been any nicer. He's like, uh, I know, like you've said no, but let's just meet. I want to speak to you about it. I know you have a few doubts, but um, come meet me at Heart Hill Services and we'll have a chat there and, and see if I can. I want to meet you in person and, and tell us. So we're driving down to to Heart Hill and we're just getting close to Heart Hill and McCoy's calls again. He's like, ah, I can't make it to Heart Hill. Just come to Murray Park and we'll get everything sorted there. So I told my brother and a few of my mates, I've rejected Rangers, I'm not going to go, I'm just going to stay at Hearts. Next thing, it's obviously on Sky Sports, me driving in to Murray Park, there's all Rangers fans, like, welcome to Rangers. <laughs> thinking, oh no, <laughs> this has become He's 10 times McCoy's harder. Yes, yeah, it's become 10 times harder. And McCoy says, like, I know you're not signing, but I just want to speak to you because if I don't sign you this window, I'd still be interested in signing you in January. Had kind of played it along that line. So I got there and you know what he's like, like, right in, like, welcome, this is the most successful club in the world, look at it, this is where you can be, welcome home, show me around Murray Park. <laughs> he's like, I know you're not keen on signing, but we'll get something sorted out. We'll get, <laughs> get one of those ones that just wasn't letting me leave. Got up the stairs and there's Temps. So Temps had just obviously signed. Um, and he was like, are you signing? And I remember just being like, you know, stressing out, my phone had died. So, and I didn't want to ask McCoy. For a charge. <laughs> for a charge. Do you have a charge? <laughs> so I couldn't really like speak to anyone at that point. For being like, advice yeah, that, just being like, what, what do you think? My mum was with me at the time. And the whole trip down, I'd said to mum, listen, no matter what they say, what they offer, anything they do, I don't think I should sign and I don't want to sign. So McCoy's is like charming, he's chatting away. Being yeah, like, I'm starting to fancy my yeah. <laughs> Being like, you know, we can organise flights over. So my mum's been like, you know, organise flights over and you can come stay in Glasgow and Ibrox, you get your own little room and giving it all this. And so we sit down and of course, like, I'll give you some time to think and go out of the room. So I turned to mum and mum was like, I think you should sign. <laughs> I, would, I would sign. And I'd like, mum, listen, we're not, it's not happening, we're not signing. I can't, I can't do it. I've just broken to the national team. I've already played like that in air and, and played around. And I just, I just thought it would be great to play for him. It would be, an, it's, you know, it's an unbelievable opportunity. It's a huge club. But in my mind, I was thinking next preseason, I'd be coming back and we'd be going in, we'd only have got promoted and I'd be in the second. And then I'd have another year. And then the following preseason, I'd be coming back and we'd be in the championship. And I've already played there and I've lost two years of, yeah, okay, good money and playing for a big club. But, at that stage in my career, I was, you know, looking for China. <laughs> no, but I was looking for, you know, something, something a little bit, um, yeah, it, it just didn't, I didn't have that feeling when I, when I first heard that phone call. So it was a little bit awkward when McCoy's came back in, but I think he knew as soon as he'd met me that it was going to be a hard task to, to try and make me sign. But yeah, he couldn't have been any nicer and um, still have a kind of good relationship with him now. And it takes a strong person to, eh, to be shown around Murray Park Chairman, manager, your mum. Yeah, no? even like he was, he was saying that you know they'd spoken to the board and remember it was like the whole league re reconstruction yeah. and um, he's like you know so it's only going to be one season then it's going to be a league reconstruction and so we'll be up quicker than the three years and um, still going to win the cups so we'd be in Europe. Mm -hmm. He was yeah he obviously knows what he was talking about and put on thick but. Yeah, my, my big thing was I just broke into the national team. It took me so long to get into the national team that I didn't want to throw all that away by um, taking a few steps back, which I thought in my mind. So how did Hearts take it when you told them that you're not going? <laughs> Is that either? Yeah, so they went... So then I was thinking... So I was on the way back, got my charger on, <laughs> <laughs> just seeing all these messages being like, you're signing, you're not signing. Um, and then 
uh, John McGlynn called, being like, so he was a manager at the time, have you, is it true, did you reject Rangers? I was like, yeah. And he went, ooh. <laughs> 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 I remember being like, oh, okay. And he's like, I'm just worried that I'm now going to be told you can't play. Because we had a few situations with Salyukas and a few boys that they wanted rid of and they're on um, good money and they're like not playing them anymore. Mm. Trying to force them to leave basically. Yeah, yeah trying yeah, to yeah. force them to leave. And he's like, I just really don't want that to happen to you. And I remember just thinking, you know, the hut at that t stage, my you know, relationship with the fans was at the yeah. peak. I just rejected Rangers, so it had gone up even more. They would be, not silly to do it, but there would have been a huge outcry because everyone would have realised the only reason I would have, wasn't playing was because I rejected Rangers, which in a lot of Hearts fans' views was you know, one Amazing. of the best things I did yeah. when I was there. So um, that was a big thing for them. And, and I remember the next day, David Sutherland came in and he's like, so what, what are you thinking? And I was like, well, I'm happy here, I'm comfortable here, wouldn't mind signing a new contract because I only had a, that season left. You know, I'm looking to buy a house, uh, like my younger brother was there. I'm really settled, got good friends. He's like, oh, we can't offer you a new contract. We can't do that. The only thing we'd offer you was the same terms and an extra six months hoping that you get uh, a move in January. Yeah, yeah. So then it became a little bit of a, you're off to the highest bidder in January and, and we need the money, so off to China I went. So China, you've been so honest, you're going to tell us, <laughs> is the money just too good to turn down or here? Yeah, money was obviously too good to, to turn down, but it was also the highest bidder. Mm -hmm. I think Sheffield Wednesday were sniffing around. There was a few clubs down in England that were sniffing around, but they were more pre-contracts because I was coming into my last six months. And I think um, Shang Dong offered half a million, I think, at the time. So that, you know, half a million for me is <laughs> half a million too much. So they were like, <laughs> that's perfect for us. And um, yeah, and off I went. And I knew going to China, it was a big club in China. Um, we've played in the Asian Champions League which is like the Champions League here, but obviously in Asia. And it's, um, <laughs> but it's a big thing over there and it's a big thing in Australia. So I knew I was going to be playing in those, in those kind of games. So I made an educated guess that if I went there, it wasn't going to harm my international chances. So, see, see, when you're, you're playing, it seems like a lot of your thinking is behind being in the national team. Is that obviously a massive thing for you? Huh? Um, it was at that time. You know, I'd grown up wanting to play for Australia and, and I think that's the kind of pinnacle of your career, it opens a lot of doors, being like a so-called internationalist and, um, and I just love that environment of, of being in there and, and playing against you know, strikers that you, players, uh -huh. that you watch. So um, yeah, a lot of my thinking, and we're, only, we're so close to a World Cup, um, I think if, we would, you know, if it was maybe a year later down the line that Rangers came in, I would probably have went and said, not a problem, you know, played in the World Cup, had international experience, this is going to set me up you know, in the future, it's a huge club, mm -hmm. opens a lot of doors. You know, the timing of it all at that time just wasn't right and um, that's why I didn't go. So how was China? Did you have any nights out with Derek Reardon? <laughs> I'm surprised he got in in China. Have you started your Did you see any of that? No? I didn't see any of that. No, I missed those nights out that he's wrong. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just a different culture. They just do things differently to, to hear. How did you find that culture? Did you find it quite easy to go in or was it quite difficult? Um, yeah, it was... It was probably more difficult leaving Australia to go to Edinburgh at 16, 17 than it was, I think I was 21, going from Edinburgh to China. Um, and they look after you a lot, not better, but I was a bit more of a senior player. They paid a bit of money for me and you're only allowed four foreigners in China. So I had my driver, a t uh, interpreter, 
um, a guy that kind of just followed me around training that, that helped me out. So You've basically turned into a pal of so Yeah, I, turned in, I came into training with three little amigos that used to just chat away to me. But, um, yeah, it was good. It was um, thoroughly enjoyable and it was a different experience that you know, I really liked. Is the language barrier tough? Yeah, team meetings were a slog. So we had a, a Portuguese manager, so he would talk in Portuguese and then he had his interpreter that would put it into Chinese uh-huh. and then my interpreter <laughs> would put it into English. So it was a 20-minute meeting went on for an hour and um, the worst was a few times you know he was talking to you, you know, and then you just have to wait. But it's like that, like he's looking at you, having said a, a question, okay. and then the translator's talking, but you're trying to work out from his facial expression and his body language if it's going to be a good or bad thing. Yeah. You, know, you don't know what he's going to say. And you can't <laughs> really it, have an argument when it's second time. No, yeah, because it's just going back. And it, there's a few times I'm like, oh, this is, <laughs> he's really angry at me here. And then your little translator would be like, you know, he thinks you could have got closer to the opponent because they scored. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure that's exactly what he said, but I get the, I get the gist of it. Uh-huh. I understand what you're saying. How was, it? How was the standard of winner? Yeah, it was quite good. Yeah, everyone asked me that, but um, you know, he played some top, top quality players over there. Played against Hulk, Oscar, Ramirez, wow. um, Jackson Martinez, you know, all these players that you, know, you give them a chance and they, and they tend to score. And because there's so much money there, Tevez, they bring these players over for you know, huge amounts of money and they have huge amount of pressure on having to score and having to get assists. So, um, yeah, but, and then everyone like in Scotland says, oh, but it's only two or three players. But, do you mean, you put Tevez and Hulk in Dundee's team. Uh, they win the league. <laughs> they maybe not win the league, but, you know, they go away somewhere and it, you're not thinking it's just Dundee. You're thinking these guys can score a few belters and you lose three or four nil. So... It, those players up the standard and, and uh, make it more difficult. Is the pressure for fans and the, the club and the manager, is it the same as in Scotland or is it less intense? You have no idea. Yeah, because uh-huh. you don't understand. They could be... So does that make it easier to play? Yeah, a little bit easier. Uh-huh. Do you mean like the fans are shouting and chanting, they could have been saying whatever and you're just walking over being like... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming out, guys. And they're probably slagging you and saying everything, but just have no idea what they're Brilliant. saying. 2014, mate. Love the dream. World Cup. When did you first know you were getting called up? Um, it was like the, it was like the X Factor before the World Cup. So I think they took 33 players to Sydney, and it was about two weeks before we went to Brazil. And then every like three or four days, two boys just, just left. So the tables were getting smaller, <laughs> and smaller, and smaller. And then he took 27 to Brazil, and I, at that stage I was like fringe. You know, I wasn't confident enough that I was in the squad, and I'm thinking. You know, you don't want to tell anyone. Everyone's like, oh, you're on the plane to Brazil. And I was right back. Yeah, but there's still three or four players to be dropped because you don't want to be saying anything. And then, um, yeah, it was kind of injuries. Like Tom Rogic was struggling with an injury, so he missed that World Cup. The Dickers boy, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so he missed that World Cup and a few players missed it from injury. So, um, yeah, kind of just got in the squad, I reckon. And then... Um, Again, like a few injuries happened during the tournament and all of a sudden started playing all the games. So did he come to you before the first game saying you're going to start the World Cup? No, so I came on the first game. Right. So, the, so I kind of always knew I was like a fringe, like I feel I'm a really good team player. So I'm one of those players that, not everyone hates, but you know, like train well no matter what, good around the group, good around that. So I kind of knew my position in that team. So I thought I'm not going to be a starter, I'm probably not going to be... I'm a right-back slash centre-back, so unless someone gets injured, I'm not really going to be coming on. 
and um, start of the second half against Chile, the right back pulls his hammy, and then you, your heart starts going and thinking, right, I could be on here. And then, you know, when the manager looks to see who's on the bench and then obviously sees me and thinks, Jesus, are we going to have to... Are we going to have to bring him on or not? And then they're like, we've got no one else. On. On you go. So on I come, like, buzzing, playing the World Cup. Next game, he's moved Mark Milligan, who's just joined uh, Hibs. We're doing shape and he's playing right back. So again, I'm thinking, listen, made an appearance at the World Cup. I'm not kidding, Don't really care. He pulls his hamstring in training. <laughs> so again, at training, it's the whole situation of, please tell me you don't have to play. McGowan <laughs> again at right back. Please tell me. God, there must be someone. Do you mean Kitman's struggling with an injury? They're like, right, we're going to have to play him. And uh, yeah, end up playing the next two games and um, get three appearances at a World Cup. How good is the whole atmosphere and spectacle? Yeah, it's just, it's just a whole different level. It's like we were staying in a small city um, and we had an open training session. There was like 15,000 that came to it. So the Brazil, obviously it's in Brazil, they're just crazy for football. And uh, even when Brazil was playing the streets, you know, hear people say there was no one on the streets. There was literally no one on the streets. And when they scored, all the fireworks would go off and the place would go mental. And it was, um, yeah, it was just a great, great achievement to, to be in the squad and be there and, and amazing memories. Brilliant. You're obviously very passionate about, about your country. Uh, it can be seen through the video you celebrate. <laughs> What was that of it? Did you know you were being filmed? Yeah, so I'd obviously got a few of my mates over to watch, and it must have been the first game of this World Cup um, against Not France. enough injuries for you to get in there. I was injured as well. Oh, wait, right, right, so, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah, so, um, and that, the World Cup we just qualified, I was probably more involved in that than the previous one. So I think mm-hmm. I was involved in like 22 of the games of 24, so I felt more... Closer to that, yeah, probably more closer to that squad, you know, being to go into all the crazy places that we have to go to, um, Honduras in the playoff final, all of those stuff to get to that World Cup that, you know, I probably would have went there and and actually went to it, but it's just, you know, just your holidays you wanted to go off. So I just invited a few of the boys around and and then obviously when it was the penalty, I dressed up in in my full kit, (laughs) just to be one of those full kit wankers when they came in. (laughs) So the boys were buzzing when they walked in seeing me in my full kit. And then, um, yeah, I was just you're probably more nervous watching it. So it was the penalty. It was, it was to bring us back to one one one, and I was just nervous. And one of the boys, yeah, had filmed it and then showed me, and said, "Yeah, send me that. I'm sure it would do well on on Instagram." And it did. Brilliant, mate. From one amazing experience to another, you, you moved to Dundee, my hometown. Did Dundee. Jackie McNamara? Obviously, you said you played him before. Did Jackie phone you up? Yeah, so I'd, I'd come back in the the January. So. Um, Contract was up in China, so I went to back into the UK and just wanted to get back into that UK environment, change rooms, missed the banter and missed being around. Um, everyone had enough of the naked nights out with the Chinese and thought <laughs> I'd get back to, to Dundee United. And, and at that time, Dundee United was flying. Um, I think my first game was a semi-final and we had a really good squad and um, they were so keen to join. So you obviously you're coming back to Dundee United, you must have missed the Scottish banter, you know, with fans, referees, coaches. Yeah. Well, there's a uh, Willie Collum, obviously. We, we played Celtic like three or four times in a row and um, yeah, I think he'd given Celtic a penalty or something and was running back and I said to Willie Collum, I said, fucking hell, Willie, you're having a fucking stinker. Can't believe you're in the Champions League. <laughs> turned around, you know how he looks at you, turned around and he goes, can't believe you played in the World Cup. And just 
<laughs> and, just ran, and just ran off. I remember thinking, oh, yeah, fair play. Fair Only, play in Scotland, man. Only in Scotland would you get a referee turning around to you and saying, can't believe you're playing the World Cup. Bro, we wider. Was that the time they had good young players? It was gold and that still there at that time? <coughs> no, just he had left. just left. Um, Armstrong and. Sorry, Gary Mackay Stevens was um, there, but they left a couple of weeks later. And then we kind of just free falled from there, which was a little bit unfortunate because we had joined on such a high and I had such high expectations there. But um, yeah, it just didn't work out for one reason or another. And um, But yeah, I just loved being back in that, that UK environment. Were they just too, too hard to replace their players? Yeah, I think... I think we had played of such, not off the cuff, but we relied on like our front three and the midfield four. So I think we lined up with, remember Nadir Shifsky up top? Yeah. Um, Armstrong, Mackay Stevens, and then we had Rankin and Peyton, Peyton just kind of sitting. And we had a, that was a good sort of balance. And, and then when you lose kind of those two, and then Nad's left in the summer, mm. you, it's hard to replace those, those kind of players. And um, yeah, just kind of struggled for, from then on. And, um, but yeah, that, you know, the first six months was, was really good. We had some good players coming through. Charlie Telfer, Bless Spittle, Cole Donaldson, you know, all players that were coming through and um, we had a good squad. And how was, how was Jackie as a manager? Is, is he what you imagined he would be? Yeah, yeah, he was, he was good. He was really good. He was, um, had a great team spirit, um, you know, created a good environment for the boys to train in. Simon Donnelly and Darren Jackson were his two assistants. So um, like that, yeah, it was training sessions were good and, and the environment was was really enjoyable to play at and it was just a, a shame the way it worked out. Uh, were you a bit upset when Jackie got sacked? Um, a little bit. I maybe thought it was a little bit unfair, but at the same time, it's way above your pay grade, those kind of decisions, and, and they need to look out for the club and, and what was going on. But, um, yeah, maybe on reflection, some fans would think it was a fair decision. Others would probably think that you should have stayed. It must be sad to, for you to see where that kind of state they're in just now. Yeah, yeah, you know, it was, so I left in the January and they, they got relegated that season. Um, so it was, again, even when I was leaving, I think we were bottom or near enough at the bottom and it was, it was tough and it, I felt that, um, yeah, probably would have gotten relegated even more if I stayed. But, uh, you know, it was, you, you kind of felt that you were leaving them and not thrown in the towel, but jumping ship as such, which, which wasn't the case. It was just that, again, a, a China bid had come in and um, they accepted it. Because Mixu came in, didn't he? Mixu came in the last Was he as mad as he looked, Mixu? Um, yeah, so Ranks had him at Hibs and he said there was a few, John Rankin, who said there was a few, like, he's crazy, but he came in and he was, he was, a, he was a little bit... <laughs> <laughs> he was a little bit more mellowed than um, he was at Hibs, but, um, yeah, he was good. I enjoyed working for him. He was... Um, he probably came in and, and tried to play out from the back and, and try to play football the way he played with Kilmarnock, I think, the season before. And we were just so low on confidence and struggling that it, we kind of suffered a little bit. And um, that's probably got us, made us maybe drift apart from the, from the rest of the league. And um, yeah, maybe on reflection, he would have changed a few things, but it's just one of those things that happened. Because it's a big club United, isn't it? Yeah, massive. Even my first game in the semi-final, I think we took 10, 12,000 there and the cup final against um, Celtic. It was that time we played Celtic like three or four games in a row, which didn't help. I think we played them in the Scottish Cup got him in a replay, so I had to play him a replay, then the played him in the league, then we played him in the cup final, but um, 
thank God, beaten everyone. But yeah, just missed. I'd missed that was one of the reasons why I wanted to come back was to to be in the UK and and to have all the banter that goes with with playing Celtic and Rangers. And <laughs> Brilliant, mate. Um, you've globe trotted since leaving United. You went back to China. You're now back at Bradford. Hopefully, I'll be changing fortunes under David Hopkins. How's he been so far? Good. Yeah, he's been really good. He's Bradford good. loves Scottish ginger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've. Well, I've had a few since. So I, I joined, played three games, and got an injury, um, and then didn't play for the rest of the season, and came back, and I've had three managers since. So I think I've got the record for <laughs> the most amount of managers, <laughs> for least amount of appearances. But yeah, we're struggling a little bit at the moment, but. I'm sure he'll turn it around with, with the new manager in and um, the way he wants us to play, we'll, we'll start getting results soon. We just went in there and that was a bit more interview mode there, wasn't it? Yeah. I asked that question. Uh, just on the future, mate, it seems to me like you've got a, a great head. Uh, management, coaching, <coughs> when um, you finish? Yeah. Next year? Yeah, this, in January. Is <laughs> <laughs> it well, someone you'd fancy, the old coaching or manager? Um, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind it. I don't know if I could deal with all the politics that go with it, that would probably be my, my biggest downfall. You know, players that think they're better than they actually are, that's probably my pet hate. You, you know, hate me then. Yeah, you know when you're in a change room and the, there's that guy that's like, why am I not playing and, you know, I should be playing and you're sitting there thinking, you're lucky you've even got a contract. <laughs> <laughs> they're probably thinking that about me, but you know, those players that you're just like, uh -huh. I, I don't know if I could be handling, yeah, I, couldn't, I don't know if I could be handling boys Doing that, but yeah, it's the, you know, I really enjoy football, and um, I'd like to be involved in in some part of of football, whether it's media. Take your job once you retire. <laughs> you know that, like that. Mate, yeah. you know that. But um, yeah, probably try and stay in football of some kind. Big man, you've been absolutely brilliant. It's been a pleasure. Thank Thanks you very, very much. much. Cheers. Thank Cheers. you. Cheers.